Before we read scripture, just a couple of questions. I wonder, what would it be like to be a sibling of Jesus? What if you grew up in the same home and Jesus was your older brother? Would you have gotten angry and wrestled with Jesus, fought with him? Would you, you know, have walked around town, talked about the girls in the neighborhood with Jesus? Would you, as he got older and as your older brother began to teach and gather a following and people started using words like Messiah and Lord, would you have been a little freaked out by that? I ask because today we're beginning a message series for the next couple of weeks on the book of James. I love the book of James. It is one of these really practical, down-to-earth type of books. It's probably what you might call wisdom literature. Um, it lays out for us how Christians can live, in a, live the Christian way in a very practical, everyday way. The wisdom of this book is not so much in laying out the doctrines, the essential principles of the Christian faith, but rather it looks at how do we take this life of Christ and how do we live it out in everyday situations that we face. It's, it's practical godliness. Wisdom is this practical guidance and godliness that has been distilled over centuries and passed along generation to generation. Now, the book of James is written by James. The very first line in the book, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we know of several different James in the Bible, but the scholarly consensus is that the author of the book of James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. So James, he wasn't part of the original 12 disciples or apostles because As his brother, James did not believe Jesus was who he claimed he was. James had a whole lot of struggles with that. In fact, in John 7, we read about how the brothers of Jesus laughed at Jesus and and made fun of his claims. They didn't believe. Well, not initially. It wasn't at least until the resurrection. And that was such a powerful event in the life of James. It is an experience that transformed him. And in 1 Corinthians 15, we read that the resurrected Jesus made a very intentional appearance to his brother James. And after that encounter, James stopped disbelieving and he instead bowed down and he worshiped his brother, now his Lord. And the book we have here is this wisdom that that brother, James, received from Jesus and now passes on to this church. This once confirmed unbeliever, now witness and worshiper of Jesus, passes on how we live out this Jesus life. So with that really quick sketch and background, I'd like to turn with you to James chapter 1. And it reads this, James, servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, 
you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of firstfruits of all he created. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, Father of lights, giver of every good and perfect gift, thank you for the gift of your word. And we thank you for how your spirit inspired James to to gather this wisdom, all these pieces from the life of Jesus and, and distill them into very practical wisdom for our daily living. And we pray, God, that you would now take that word and and put it into our lives, in our hearts, so that we might live the full life of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Life is difficult. That is the opening line of a book by M. Scott Peck called The Road Less Traveled. Life is difficult. Three words plainly stated that ring deeply with truth, the truth of life as we experience it. Life is difficult. It is filled with hard things. Think of all those, right? The the good things that break down all the time. The plans that we set out that get foiled and they fail or they get disrupted. We plant gardens, but we got to pull out weeds and we got to protect it from all the pests. Lasting relationships, they're hard work because they're filled with sometimes hurt that we cause, filled with the hard work of forgiveness and reconciliation. Life is difficult. And I know I don't need to remind you of that, especially in 2020. I mean, more than ever, this year is the hard teacher reminding us of that pretty core truth of life. Now, this is something that prior to the modern world, every generation pretty much accepted and realized. It was never questioned. It was never disputed. It was a common consensus piece of wisdom. Life is hard. 
And the only question that was raised was the question about how do we respond to the difficulties we face in life? And so James, as he speaks to us, answers that need because we need a faith that is strong, that is durable, that is resilient enough to hold us, to carry us through troubles. We don't want to collapse in the face of troubles. We don't want to become undone by trials. We want to face a faith that equips us to face these trials, to endure them, to persevere through them. James is concerned with having a very practical faith, a faith that works, and a faith that works through troubles and through trials. And right out of the gate, after this brief introduction, James is just laying one truth bomb down after another, one gem of wisdom after another. He writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. James refers to trials of many kinds. Now, when you think of trials, when you think of troubles, what comes to mind? For most of us, I imagine that we believe hardship or suffering is meant by trials, distress, trouble, pain. And true enough, that's, that's a lot of the trials that we face. But have you ever thought that success also might be a trial we're called to endure? Perhaps that prosperity is equally a testing for us. James says that there's all sorts of trials we face. We will have times when the wind is at our back, when the sun is shining, when life couldn't be better. And then there's going to be times when it feels like nothing is going our way. Moments of real trial and testing in both of those situations. I think we really need to realize that there's nothing more spiritually dangerous than to be succeeding. And there's nothing more spiritually dangerous than to be facing trouble and hardship and suffering and adversity. Because both of those experiences sort of reach deep down to the, some of the recesses of our heart and, and they bring up junk we didn't know was there. Both those situations do that work. And, and we can learn and we can grow from these and we can become wiser about life and about ourselves and about the world. Or we can stuff that stuff right back down into the recesses of our heart. We can blame it on other people or we can become more and more of a fool. That's the challenge of growing up, of maturing, of wisdom. And it requires a wisdom of which James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God for it, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You know, the needed wisdom for living life courageously and well, it is available to us, friends. Ask God for it. You know, that's one of my daily prayers. God, give me wisdom to live in this day and age with the grace of Christ. God, give me the wisdom to be a dad to my kids who are going through teens and need a wise dad. God, give me the wisdom to be a husband who loves and knows my spouse. But can we back up a little bit and review James' first startling words? Consider it 
pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy when you face a COVID-19 pandemic. Consider it pure joy when you face economic pressures in your life. Consider it pure joy when you face family difficulties. Consider it joy. Seriously, James, come on. Really? Pure joy? James, the bracing wisdom of James is this. Yes, trials, testing, and joy can coexist. Joy is even found in the middle of life's hardest seasons. And I know for many of us, we're facing hardship right now. You feel the weight of this COVID-19 virus. Perhaps your job, your income has been affected. You're feeling or your kids are feeling the anxiety, the uncertainty of it all, all the constant changes, the shifting. Some of you are struggling with some profound loneliness. And I want to tell you, you can have joy even in the midst of all that trial and difficulty. Even in the midst of what looks like and feels like so much uncertainty and heaviness. And I'm not talking about, you know, pasting on a happy face or anything like that. I'm talking about a conviction that is rooted in the expectation that God is faithful. It is rooted in the certainty that God has not abandoned us in this storm. But maybe you're wondering why. Why why should I consider it pure joy, all this hardship that we're facing? Why should I consider trials joy? Many people might think, you know, what what sort of simpleton or fool would you have to be to consider the, the hardship, the adversity, the pressures of life a joyful thing? What sort of masochist would you need to be? Why why would you welcome and embrace these things? James says, because you know. Because you know something, you would do that. You would consider it all joy as you face trials only if you knew something about it. You would welcome hardship only if you knew there was something else going on, something deeper going on in your life or in these trials. You would consider them all joy when you face hardship and testing and trouble because you know you have a wisdom about life. You have an understanding. So I got to ask, do you know? Because... Trials and hardship, they are going to do one of two things in your life. They are going to soften your heart and soften you as a person, or they're going to harden you. They'll do one of either one. It will make you more deeply human, or it will turn you bitter and surly. You know, trials don't automatically make you mature or better. It can make you better, but it can also make you very bitter. You can become a shell of a human being sometimes. So ask yourself, do you have that knowledge that James is talking about? That wisdom, that understanding that enables you to face and to walk through trials and come out more alive, more human? Well, what would you have to know? You would know that testing and trials are desirable difficulties. You would know what UCLA psychologists Robert and Elizabeth Bjork found out. These professors were studying learning, and what they found out is that there is a role for difficulty and hardship in the context of learning. They found out that um, you and I do not always learn um, when the task of learning is made easy. Making it easy actually 
made it harder to learn in some instances. And so they they found out that there are sometimes when your performance to learn will improve when it's more difficult. You will learn more. You will learn better. That it will go deeper inside of you if the learning is made difficult for you. They call these desirable difficulties. James is saying trials hold the potential to be desirable difficulties. James says because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Testing, hardship, adversity produces perseverance, says James. People who have suffered trouble and trials, they come through deeper, softer people. Those sort of people are ones who have held tight. They've kept believing God is present, even in the midst of the storm, even if they can't understand it all. But they believe that God enters into the thick of all those adversities and hardships, never letting that go, but pressing on and using, and God uses that to accomplish something in us, something that no amount of pleasure or comfort could ever produce in us. And I know... You know, there's so many variations and gradients to the hardships we face. There's different stages of life. There's different scales of pain we experience. There's different starting points in life. Some of us feel set back farther than others of us who have received privilege or advantage. There's different histories of pain, absolutely. But in it all, there is this constant that wisdom always points to. That there's no shortcuts through hardship towards maturity. But perseverance is what gets us through. Perseverance is this staying power, this this patient endurance. To persevere is to prevail. It is what many today call resilience. You've probably heard that often. It's the capacity to not let a setback defeat you, to pummel you to the ground. James is saying, listen, the Christian faith, it's, it's not a fragile way of life that, you know, only can flourish under certain circumstances. Christians have come alive. They have grown in every circumstance, no matter how difficult or how challenging. They faced ridicule and exile. They faced persecution and isolation, and yet they have prevailed and persevered. And I think this season of adversity that we're in, this trial of this pandemic, it's doing its work in us to freshly produce this fortitude. So I want to say, take heart, friends. Really, consider it joy. God is at work doing his holy purposes in our lives. Do you know that? Can you see that? Will you open yourself up to that? But it's interesting here to look. While perseverance is this sought-after quality that we need to make it through these trials, perseverance really is only a means to something else, to something greater. James says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What James is saying is, you know, this isn't a try-hard program about you working really hard on your perseverance. He's saying, no, no, no. Let the action of persevering work on you so that you might become mature, complete, not lacking anything. 
which is another way of saying perseverance works on us and grows our character and leads us to a life where disappointments are few. And what's waiting for us when perseverance does its work in us, if we let this season of adversity and uncertainty do its holy work in us, what's waiting for us if we will be patient and prevail, if we will get up every morning and keep praying and keep fixing our eyes on Jesus and keep loving our neighbors as we're called to and keep trusting that God is good, doing good work in us, if we allow perseverance to do its patient work, we will become, James says, mature complete, lacking nothing. Now, what does James mean by that? I find so many people live out what you might call a sense of false self, sort of a mistaken notion of our identity, of who we are, or what life is. And this false self, it's it's so often tied to achievement, to work. It's wrapped up in what other people think of us. It's fragile. It's insecure. And the holy work that trials and adversity and perseverance do is they scrub away all the illusions of that false self. And they allow us to become mature, to become complete, which I think is a way of James saying, to become your true self, to become the person God created and ordained and redeemed you to be. We learn a sense of identity that's deeply rooted in in God's love and care for us. To be mature and complete is to know your true self, to have this sense of abundance, this abiding sense of peace and joy, a, a sense of rest and contentment, even if the circumstances are pretty miserable. And so we can rejoice in adversity because we know this. We know this is what God is doing in this season, in this time. But maybe the question is, how do you know this? We talked about what what do you know? You got to know that God's at work doing a holy thing in trials. But how, how do you come to know this? How can we find that sort of wisdom for living? And I got to tell you, it's hard to know this because we don't find it in our modern world. There's a worldly wisdom that is on offer all over in our media feeds, in social media. And it's what our secular society constantly teaches us. And it tells us that to persevere through hardship, that seems like folly. You know, we're told again and again that you you just got to get all your happiness right now, right here. And if anything gets in the way of that, and if anything goes wrong, if anything goes wrong with your love or your finances or your money, well, well, you probably lost out. So bail on it already. Get while the going's good. And then if not, then get out. And I'm constantly amazed how our modern culture, I don't think there's ever been a culture that has set its people up to make them so vulnerable to the vicissitudes of life. Every other culture have always said, yes, life is difficult. Persevere through. There's pain, but there's promise in that pain to shape you, to deepen you. So persevere. Be patient in trial. But everything in this culture tells you otherwise. Tells us somehow that, you know, the universe owes us a good life. And if it doesn't, uh, if we don't get that good life, well, we should be pretty put out and angry about it. And I know that affects us as followers of Jesus, too. We get shaped by this. We like to believe in, in that we belong to Christ and that, yeah, maybe God has some small hard things. But when the big things hit, that can undo us, too. 
So how do we learn this wisdom that James is talking about? There is this wisdom of God that tells us life is difficult, and yet in it we are being readied for something so central. And we can know that because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Christians celebrate in the cross that the very worst thing that could have happened to Jesus Christ, the killing of the Son of God, has become the healing of the world. This is the gospel. The cross is the the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died this horrific death on the cross for you and I, was raised to new life. And now the cross is, think of the symbolic power that is available to us. Not just symbolic, but real power for all our hardships and our trials, all our pain and our suffering. It is telling us that the very worst things have the power to become the very best things for us. No trial, no adversity, no hardship you face is going to be a complete dead end because of God's power. The resurrection power of God has the possibility to turn our trials into holy places of healing and completeness. We know God is at work in these. We trust God is working those holy purposes out, even in the adversities we face and the hardship, even in this pandemic, because of the cross. Because God has defeated death and God is extracted out of that resurrection life. And because God did that in Jesus Christ, he continues to do that and work that in our lives. Taking hardship, turning it on its head, and making it a sacred thing. So fix your eyes on Jesus. The book of Hebrews tells us this. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Endure, persevere. Same word as James uses here. For the joy set before him, which was you and I and a redeemed creation, he persevered through the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, in the midst of this pandemic, God is doing a work among us. He's doing a holy work in every one of us. And my hope and prayer is that we're going to look back years from now, and we're going to see what has been happening in us, and we're going to see how it's required perseverance from us. And that requires us to look to Jesus. He is absolutely wise. He has all the treasures of wisdom, knowledge. They're hidden in him. He's wise and he suffered. And through trial, he will make you wise and complete. He will make you like himself. It will come. Persevere. Stay resilient. It will come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Join me in prayer right now, would you? God, we pray that you would help us to know you are powerfully present. Even in the midst of these hardships we face, the the storms that batter our lives. God, we ask you for help to fix our eyes on Jesus. That we might persevere in this time of testing. God, stir up within everyone who is hearing this, your prevailing spirit, so that perseverance might finish, might complete its work in us, making us mature, not lacking anything. God, 
overwhelm us with your kindness. Pray that even in the midst of these trials, joy would erupt in our hearts because we know you are working good in our lives. We thank you for that paradoxical wisdom, God, that even in the worst things, the wounds of our life can become sacred wounds because of the cross. So work your power among us, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I invite you now just to a couple of moments of reflection.